Hello and welcome to Integral Teaching, presented by teachingintothefuture.com. My name is Diane Walters, and I've got a series of podcasts based on what I call the unfinished lesson, leaving room for the students. Let's get right to it. We are at a turning point in history. For millennia, our technologies, fire, clothes, agriculture, cities, space travel, have been aimed outward at modifying our environment. And now, our technologies are increasingly aimed inward at altering our minds, memories, metabolisms, personality, and progeny. We're living what our grandparents might have termed a science fiction future. Whether we're talking nanotechnology, which is the art of manipulating materials on a very small scale in order to build microscopic machinery is on the rise. Many years ago, I picked up a book called Radical Evolution, The Promise and Peril of Enhancing Our Minds and Our Bodies and What It Means to Be Human by Joel Gero, where he outlined some of the innovations in store for us. From memory pills to gene doping, which produces such muscle strength in rodents that some researchers flatly doubt that we'll ever have an Olympics again that does not involve genetically altered humans. And now we're actually looking at bionic eyes. We've gone from the computer outside us to a computer inside us. And when you do that, you have to actually ask how this will revolutionize everything. Warfare, energy use, medicine. It will certainly challenge us to define what we perceive as the qualities of truth, thought, or freedom. So I think in the role as a teacher or parent, what we need to do is ask ourselves once again and over and over again, what are we as present-day human beings? So if we are the result of all that took place in the life of our civilization during the last third of the 20th century, how do we grow out beyond what our personal and particular time that we're living right now can give us? How do we reach forward into the future like Otto Scharmer in his work in Present Singh suggested we do and meet our students where they need us to be at 20 or 30 years from now? This state of soul reminds me of adolescence. As a teacher of many adolescents, I began to take up the study of what was going on for the 12 to 14-year-old and the 14 to 18-year-old on a physical, on a soul, emotional, and perhaps even, dare I say it, on a spiritual level. The state of soul of a 12 to 14-year-old can be compared to an act of deep vulnerability. It is a time where children are turning to youth. In their turn towards that, they're looking for truth. They need to know that we belong to the world and not apart from it. I think that teachers of this age group must be awake to what is current in the world so that then the students can trust us. What is this quest for truth in our youth? Well, the powers of truth, thought, and freedom are mighty developments in the life of a human being, let alone a young human being. David Mitchell wrote in Observations of Adolescence a little bit about what an adolescent experiences. 
He said that at a time when physical maturation takes on a deepened form of growth, which reverberates in the soul as adolescence storms in with major body changes, the young man's feet rapidly outgrow his shoes, legs and arms dangle, and their walk becomes a strut or a shuffle. The voice changes in both sexes. In males, it falls a full octave. In girls, just a note. The larynx enlarges and vocal cords are lengthened. The jaw drops and often juts out. The center of gravity drops from the second cervical to the sacral vertebrae. The lungs increase in size in both girls and boys. The girl's breathing becomes costal and is centered on the top of the ribs, while the boy's breathing drops down to two-thirds chest and one-third diagram. The blood pressure increases during the teenage years, and the heart, without growing so much in size, it doubles in mass. All of this activity, along with the secondary and primary sexual characteristics, which rearrange the shape of the body, are initiated by 24 major and over 200 minor hormones. Thus, adolescence is a picture of youth diving down deeply into his or her own organism. We must ask ourselves if we are able to guide and gift our teenagers with the means to nourish their bodies, souls, and spirits so that they walk into the world with confidence, courage, and equanimity, so that they themselves can bring to birth true idealism as a contribution to this world. I think of John Lennon in his adolescence, which he was cast as disruptive, bored, and troublemaker but one teacher believed in him. Our youth are longing to be clothed in the fabric of societal renewal as they see their place in it. And we have to ask, how are we awakening within them an extraordinary great interest in the world outside of themselves? They can get caught up in selfies, videos, Snapchats, and WeChats. All of that is extreme self-absorption. How do we educate in such a way that they can look out into the world around them, into all its laws, into its course, cause, and effects, into human intentions and goals, not only into themselves, but into everything, music, nature, the cosmos, the entire world, questions of history, about the human soul? How do we encourage them to think of the world as a riddle? that is yet to be solved, rather than giving them ready-made ideas, philosophies, and thoughts that have dead-end streets to them, rather than curious, open-ended avenues of exploration. This morning I was watching a film about kids in tech, which I planned to put on my website. It was explained that the human brain is like a firecracker, when new ideas and new thoughts emerge in millions of avenues and pathways of brain development, our own brains light up like a firecracker, go into bursts. And this happens when children are thinking for themselves, are met with imaginative concepts that have no answer. But they've had to put pieces together and create strategies similar to a chess game. 
now, if you look at online education and information on the internet that is literally a finger touch or an eye blink away, all of this education, all of this knowledge is present and available. So in a way, I, I wonder if we're just getting lazy, if we're teaching our children to be lazy in their thinking. And we're dumbing down rather than gearing up for this technological age. So these thoughts or powers of judgment can be born in the student and can often find a mark on their adults around them through interest. When we're interested in our youth, it's a powerful experience on the level of the heart. Being met with warmth and being understood are experiences that nourish the heart. Our youth long for us to be passionately interested in who they are. Adolescents need the ego forces and the life experience and the wisdom of adults around them, but they can't find the forces within themselves if this isn't often an area of incredible turmoil. It doesn't help if the parents have unresolved issues from their own adolescent experiences because adolescents need to experience boundaries. In a way, by experiencing boundaries, they know where the edges of themselves are. So they might look like adults. In my experience of teaching high school and in reflecting on many bright 18-year-olds that I had worked with, I would still have to say, when you look back from the vantage point of being a 30-year-old, they still considered themselves children. And I was teaching a grade 12 course I called Ethnomorphology, which was a grade 12 course where the, the outcomes of the times were life and society. And I remember a particularly vivid class when one of my 18-year-old students started to cry. We were talking about family, and we were talking about roles in the world. And this girl just began to sob. And she sobbed uncontrollably for about 10 minutes. And the whole class waited and just held space for her. And after she collected herself, I and other students just said, are you okay? Would you like to share that with us? And what she did, what she ended up saying was the catalyst of her tears, of her grief, was that she needed the adults, and she started sobbing and saying, just where are the adults? I'm parenting my parents. And I was really struck about the role of a teacher, which can often be one step removed from the parents, but we often have that professional demeanor that hold that edge that students need. Every podcast, I'm always talking about connection and heart connection, and that hasn't changed an iota but it's also really important to be adults and to hold a wider, truer perspective than they can feel at that time than a 16, 17, 18-year-old, not to mention younger student, can be completely embroiled because they get swept away and sometimes they just need a rudder. They need the wise life experience. Every teacher is a counselor, whether you're teaching grade 1 or grade 12. I think it is commonly understood that we wear many, many hats. To work with the hat of being a wise friend, mentor, and guide 
through the rocky road of adolescence is to really bring a level of depth and truth to all the subjects that we teach. I was speaking with a sixth grade teacher today and a Mohawk immersion school south of Toronto, Ontario in Canada. And I asked her what subject she was currently teaching and she said geometry. I said, do you have any questions about that? And she said, well, because we are reclaiming our Mohawk culture, I started them with working with the arrowhead. I said, oh, I know nothing about the geometry of an arrowhead. Tell me more. How many points does it have? And she said, seven. A seven-pointed. So I said, well, have you worked with this out of the circle? In my experience of teaching geometry, it's the, you know, how do you divide a circle? So we took that a little further and then I said, is there a way that we could take conventional geometry and wrap it into indigenous lore, history, and practices? She said, well, we have something that comes to mind. It's called the wampum belt. And it has 50 lines in it, division of a circle into 50 times. And I said, what does that mean? She said, well... A wampum belt, the 50 lines really represent the chosen speakers for the six nations when they began to create the Iroquois Confederacy. And behind them stand clan mothers. And I said, are you telling me that the geometry of the wampum actually goes into a governance structure that was created to establish peace among the nations that was actually used by the U.S. fathers of the day to create the American Constitution, as far as I understand it. And she said, yes. Behind those 50 men who were representatives and speakers for their tribes, who were entrusted with the sacred duty of working out a collaborative, just system of governance that spread across thousands of miles of indigenous territory and united tribes that had been previously warring against one another. Behind all of them stood the clan mothers. So this is how geometry works with the curriculum seal and how it creates a level of its own truth and its own story. Those sixth graders are not just getting a compass, a line, and a ruler. They're getting a story of their people. They're getting a system and an image, a full imagination of what the wampum belt meant and how it holds their cultures together to this day. I think stories like these and teachers like these deserve mention. They are helping their students reach out to something beyond themselves and which penetrate their thoughts, their hearts, and their will in order to really work with knowledge that is for the soul and spirit what blood is for the body. Ideals are essential to youth. They are bigger than reality. They're made up of dreams, creative thinking, and goodwill to others. 
They can leave trace impressions and show themselves up as courage for life, confidence in life, and as equanimity in life. And sometimes these effects happen in a year or five years. Sometimes it takes decades. But it calls for empathy from parents and from teachers and from all those who surround our youth with warmth, role modeling, and positivity. Thank you for listening to Integral Teaching, presented by Teaching Into the Future, and I hope to see you again. If I piqued your interest, it would really help if you would rate my show either by a like or giving me your personal rating. I'm just starting out here, and I've got a whole lot more for you. So stay tuned for my next podcast. Thank you.